0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Before we get into God's Word, I just want to reiterate, uh, and I'll probably say this again towards the end of my sermon if I don't get too excited, Um, but we have the connection cards. If you um, are visiting with us, we'd love to get to know you, and we'd love uh, for us to Um, We'd love for you to get to know us. And these connection cards are helpful. And uh, I believe it was already stated that if you put this in the basket and you turn this in, there'll be a gift for you after service. So please turn that in. As we get into the Lord's, to God's word, I think it's important that um, I just, I say this from the beginning that as we're talking about God, I was just thinking about this, um, in this particular passage, talking about God and money. As you can see, I'm wearing a shirt to illustrate my point, God over money. Um, and the the point of it is, is that God isn't necessarily after your money. God is after your heart. God is not after your money. God is after your heart. The, uh, one of the things is, is that this morning we, we're starting this biblical subject because money is a biblical subject but yet oftentimes so many people as Christians we apologize about talking about it we feel guilty talking about it with the prosperity gospel and how money has been uh, talked about these days sometimes pastors even shy away from discussing it but Jesus talked about uh, money a whole lot in his Bible uh, in, in his word and through his ministry and the Bible talks about it as well so I intentionally say that this is a biblical subject because I want us to have a healthy view. As pastors, we want you to have a healthy view of how you ought to understand the Bible, what the Bible says about money. Again, many times it is in our culture where we shy away from this because of individualism, you ain't supposed to touch mine. What's mine is not yours. But what the bible teaches us in particular is that that we don't own anything but god owns us and everything that we own and thus in culture possessions property all of these things oftentimes we we don't come to the realization that god owns my house he owns my car he owns the clothes on my back he owns my soul he owns absolutely everything Because he's the one that has provided the job, provided the car, provided the money, provided the food, provided every single thing that you need in order to survive. And I want you to realize that this passage is not, again, getting to. I just want you to give more. Just want you to be more generous with what you're giving. The passage is addressing... Your direct devotion is your devotion to God or is your devotion to money is your devotion to God or is your devotion to money it's legitimate to ask the question where then is your heart where does it lie I believe that we are still still even me I don't stand up here with a self-righteous view as if I know what I'm doing with all of my money. There are times I want to fulfill the desires of my heart. And so we are all slaves to money because it provides an immediate security. It puts our kids in good private schools. It gives them the good tutoring that they need. It puts the good clothes on their backs. It provides them with the opportunities for some of us for them to play soccer or football or baseball. It gives them the opportunity to see different parts of the world. It provides this immediacy of comfort, power, and pleasure, allowing us to enjoy every vacation Allowing us to enjoy every beach trip, allowing us to enjoy every getaway, allowing us to feel as if if I have this pleasure, then this will be the satisfying factor of my life. It provides us with privilege, privilege in which many of us would see that or or think that if I have an X amount of money in my bank account, then this equals privilege. I don't have to struggle anymore anymore. I don't have to live in the hood anymore. I don't have to live around a certain group or group or demographic of individuals anymore privilege. And it fulfills the lust of our hearts. If we let it lead us guide us Lord over us. We are tempted and have been and still are at times slaves to money. And as Christians, we should be challenged by what Jesus is saying here, because our passage actually shows that, just in line with the entire Sermon of the Mount, that we are supposed to live countercultural as kingdom people. And thus, what this means is had contrasting societal norms in order to live a godly life. Contrasting societal norms in order to live a godly life. I want to pull out these three polarizations and how they've been demonstrated throughout this passage treasure on earth number one versus treasure in heaven is what we'll see in verses 19 through 21 treasure on earth verse treasure in heaven verses 19 through 21 and then two: wholeness and generosity versus evil and greed which we will see in verses 22 and 23 and then the last one God verse money in verse 24 or God over money that's the title of our sermon but here's what i want you to take away i want you to listen to those points and write them down and see if you can get good i'm gonna give you good exegetical movements or hermeneutics throughout this passage what i want you to understand that there's one singular devotion if you were to take anything this morning and you would write it down and it'd be knit in your heart And you would take it home and discuss with your family or discuss with your children over lunch Here's what I want you to discuss our singular devotion to Christ must be a direct reflection of how we view the, How we view money It's right there in Deuteronomy 6 and 5 in the Shema and where you said it says Moses says you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your soul and all of your strength singular devotion when we look at treasure for on earth versus treasure in heaven when you look directly in verse 19 Jesus says directly to his people do not lay up or you can say store up for yourselves treasures on earth think about it at the top of chapter 6 immediately he talks about where your where your reward is in, chapters, in the first verses in chapter 6, he talks about your reward being secretly in heaven. Then he talks about in the Lord's Prayer that your reward being secretly in, secretly in heaven, not being like the hypocrites. And then he gets to fasting and that your reward is secretly in heaven. And now he says, you know why? Don't store your treasures on earth because it's not the right treasury. The contrast that you see is that on earth what will happen is moth and rust will destroy, will destroy it. Where your treasure is, moth and rust will destroy it. How does moth destroy it? I know many of y'all may be thinking about the little moths that fly into your house after you open the door. And sometimes they're eating on your clothes or something like that. Right? But what Jesus is trying to give them a picture of is that it's this little wood beetle that will be eating away at the things in their home. But they are not even aware of it. destroying everything around them. Can you imagine being at home and you have termites, but you're unaware that these termites are eating away at the attic of your home. Because you haven't been up there. You haven't seen it. You haven't, but you stored everything in your attic. But there are termites eating the wood, but then there are rats up at the top eating through the boxes and the plastic. Won't you feel violated and frustrated? Wouldn't you be upset that something is destroying the very thing that you laid up so that nothing else would touch it? But think about when he talks about rust as well. He gets to the point that what rust actually does or what rust brings up, it exposes what actually is going on in your home. You're laying, stockpiling things that don't last. I remember when we moved to Memphis in 2013, we moved here, we were only here for about 10 months and our house had been broken into. That was the first time ever in my life, anything anything that I've ever had had been broken into that I was aware of. When my wife called me, I was in the old downtown church office me and the 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 pastor that used to be here chris davis was sitting there studying and serena calls me mike our house has been broken into i was upset and frustrated because i felt violated and exposed somebody has rummaged through all of my things clothes are scattered all over the floor my mattress is flipped up my tv is gone jewelry is missing all of these things that are in my house—they're gone. My my refrigerator has been rummaged through. I don't know what they were looking through in the refrigerator, refrigerator. They must have had a whole lot of time. And so as I as I walked through it, I was upset and frustrated. All I wanted to do was just find the person that stole from me, find the thief that took the things in that, that took the things in my house. But you know one of the things that I paid attention to that I think I was most upset at? As I had this animal cracker container. And you know what you put in the animal cracker container, right? It was sitting right beside my bed. Every time I get home, I empty my pockets, boom, loose my let my loose change in there. And I was I was almost to the brim. Ready to, ready to either get another one or cash in. And it was heavy. I'm thinking to myself, my change, you couldn't have just left my little old coins. You had the Google TV, you had the PlayStation, you had everything, but you took my change. I was frustrated because they went in and I was stockpiling something that only had temporary gain. And a thief came in and took what was mine. When Jesus then says a thief will break in and steal, that same violation, that word for breaking in actually means consume or eating. So you can actually see it's not just a thief coming in and breaking an entry trying to with the intent of committing a crime. But I I just want you to see deeper that what you've been stockpiling, just imagine something just slowly with a tunnel, a hole taking things away from you slowly. And you're not aware of it because everything that you're trying to stockpile, you think that one day I'm going to either cash it in or I'm going to look at and glory at it. This makes us feel powerless. It should. Should make us feel angry. Especially when you don't know spiritually that the devil is stealing things away from you. He has stolen things away from you. But Jesus. What he does and he's so brilliant in trying to put the negative and contrasting it with the positive He says but this is where you need to lay your treasures The first wear clause is don't lay it up in the, er, on the earth. That's the wrong treasury I have an eternal vault that is secured by me that no one can break in no moth can destroy No deterioration can happen nothing will grow old It will be the most secure thing that you will ever see in life if you just lay your treasures in heaven, and then you will have it. Some of y'all are thinking, so what am I supposed to do? Cash app Jesus, uh, $20 a week, so I can store up $20 every week up in heaven? Should I Venmo them and, and let them know that, hey, Jesus, this is, this, is, this is my $100 that I'm trying to stockpile in heaven? Absolutely not, because what he is contrasting is saying what's on earth is not even worthy of what's in heaven. When you understand then that what is on earth has no eternal value and thus everything in heaven does, you will then understand that Jesus is asking you to do more than simply try to lay aside a nest egg. He is saying you need to have a right view of how you utilize your money. I remember one preacher saying, "Mr. and Mrs. Things would stockpile everything that they had. Mr. and Mrs. Things would put things in their pocket. Mr. and Mrs. Things they would put things in their shirt. Mr. and Mrs. Things would carry things around with them, and they were loaded down with all of the things that they had. But Mr. and Mrs. Things died one day, and you know they couldn't take anything that they had in their pocket. Only thing that they had was the box that they laid them in. I want you to think about this, beloved." If then, if God has you, he doesn't have your heart, where is it? If God doesn't have your heart, where is it? I know it's tough for many of us when you look at, Mike, I, I know I'm devoted to different things. I spend my money the way I want to spend my money. And What I'm challenging you on to think about this morning is that what you invest in should be kingdom things. And so when the rich young ruler is challenged and saying, I've done all of the Ten Commandments. I've done, I've loved my neighbor. I, I haven't stole. I haven't committed adultery. I've done these things. You know, so Jesus, what's next? Give up all of your possessions. Give to the poor and follow me. Jesus didn't even ask for his money and possessions. He asked for him to follow him. I want to take a pause this morning to say some of us don't recognize the giver because you haven't given your life to him. See, when you look at the next set of verses, he gets to the heart. Because this kingdom perspective that you ought to have on the heart, I, I related to what I was taught in school. I went to school for finance, and it was this core principle to finance, which was time, value, and money. It was to calculate future investments as well as presence investment. So if I had a lump sum of money, if I won the Powerball, is it better for me to take a lump sum, or would the time value of money teach me to take payments? small amounts what I think that the Bible teaches us is that a right kingdom perspective of time value and money is that we don't necessarily look at earning anything but because our inheritance has has been something given to us and not something earned us everything causes us to have a right view of heaven and a right perspective of how we ought to live that means we're not attached to things That means that the interest rates in heaven can surpass the interest rates on earth. There is no Facebook stocks. There is no Amazon stocks. There is nothing that could compare to your investment in heaven. Then he says... Well, if, if, if your treasure is where your heart is, then you're already lost if, you're, if, you're, if your treasure is in heaven. But if you leave it with me, if you leave it with me, I, I, I'm gonna take care of you. Let me show you how. Your eye is a lamp to your body. The eye is the lamp unto the body, so if the eye is healthy, if you were to circle that word healthy, you can actually put that in the context of wholeness and generosity. Wholeness and generosity. But then he says, if your whole body will be full of light, he said your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, you can put that in the context of greed and evil. Then what that means is your whole body will be full of darkness. There will be many who would read this text in ancient times and say then, what that means is either two things, either what I see and I take in with my eyes, then it actually corrupts my heart in my entire body. Or the other view would be what's in my heart will actually come through my eyes. I will then lust after everything my heart sees. Are you tracking with me this morning? What then he means is, is if you have a whole, if you have a healthy heart, wholeness and generosity will be It won't be easy, but it will be something that kingdom people do. I want to I let you know that some of y'all are like, well, Mike, I don't have $10,000 in my bank account on the side, and then I'm always getting a paycheck every day. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I, I don't get paid like I should. Sometimes my money looking funny. I'm on EBT. I got all these things. Can I tell you that there's possibly a chance that Jesus is also talking to poor people? Throughout the entire summit of the Mount, Jesus is talking to people who need things and I know for sure that the way that we can use money in an evil and greedy way is that we pay for porn we pay for prostitution I'm not just talking about you know what you spend money on materialistically I'm talking about some of the heart things can you you can probably i'm not and i'm not looking at behavior modification yeah you you may be able to stop buying uh certain vehicles you may say i'm not gonna buy a new vehicle i'm gonna buy a used vehicle that's how i'm gonna do it that's great and we'll talk about that i stole something from ann who's teaching this class in the morning and we'll go through what it means to share save and spend but what i'm talking about is is that some of us will pay for netflix and know that you're watching something that only feeds into your nut lust some of us are watching Hulu and know that we're watching it and we're watching sex scenes and we're watching things that only feed into our lust some of us are paying for Pornhub some of us have paid for prostitution some of us have been found in or in not found but in strip clubs do you see what I'm saying That it's not just the management of money, it's the regard of you're going to these places because there's something in your heart. And if it's bad, it will be evil. And see, the greedy thing will be that if, if, I, if, if I just get a little bit, then I don't have enough. A little bit doesn't equal enough. Remember when you, when you came out of, some of y'all came out of college, some of y'all just got that first job. But remember, you was like, okay, if I just make this much, then I'm good. If I make $35,000 a year, I'm good. I'm okay. Woo, I'm fine. If, but if I just make $60,000 a year, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But think about how you start living on a $35,000 salary, a $100,000 lifestyle. Because it's not enough. It, 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 it's, it's not. that it, 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 the car is not enough. The house is not enough. The three bedroom, two baths is not enough. I know some. Listen, I don't forget. Some of y'all may be on Section Eight. Some of y'all are going through programs, and, and you're thinking to yourself, "I just need to get out of this." I remember when i worked with drug addicts and alcoholics and we had a house that they would be in for 13 months and every time i remember one brother be like mike i can't be here anymore i just i gotta go they had every opportunity to walk out of the door every opportunity to go back to smoking crack to go back and smoking heroin, to go back and drinking their life away to go back to smoking weed Oh, let me put a pause right there. I know some of us buy weed and we smoke it because we think that it's going to help us sleep at night. Some of us buy liquor, buy drinks, drink beers, and we think that this is going to help us relax. What Jesus is getting to is you begin to reveal what's in your heart. The way that you don't be, the way that you don't demonstrate generosity you demonstrate that you're broken by the way that you struggle with your possessions can i be honest with y'all i struggle my wife had to help me because she'd be like mike let's just give this away i'm like what you mean why we got to give this away can we can save this because we may be able to use it two or three years down the line And what she was saying is, baby, we got to think about somebody else. And so here it is. Jesus is working with, I know what's in your heart. And if you have a healthy one, then generosity will come out of that. Wholeness will come out of that. See the contrast. But then, here it is. This is what he's leading up to because we don't get a chance to go through 35 25 to 34 because in 25 to 34 he said don't be anxious a lot of times you know sometimes a lot of times we don't realize that he said don't be anxious because you don't have anything i'ma provide but here it is he gets to the devotional part in verse 24 he says no one can serve two masters let me stop there no one can serve two masters. Already, that means that there is a slave and a master interaction, an employer, employee and an employer interaction. And in this time, he's saying you cannot go work, on, work for one master and leave there and go work for another master. This is not the same as chattel slavery. These were were people who actually were in debt and subjugated themselves to a master in order to pay off debt at times. So in the context, it wasn't as if that the person that they own debt to, they can work an entire shift there, leave there, and go work somewhere else in order to pay off something else. You can't do it. It's hard. It's difficult. You cannot do it. And so he says, you you have to do what? Hate one and love the other. Here's what I told you, I want you all to just lock in. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. The reason that we struggle with God and our money is because we don't think that he deserves to touch it. And I know some of us have worked so hard to be in positions that we're at, at work. I know some of us have worked so hard to try to manage our money. This is not Michael Davis saying, do not have an IRA, a 403B. Do not not save. That's mismanagement. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible particularly is talking about how to live as a Christian with your money and not let it rule you. So why does Jesus then say, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other? It is because Jesus knows that just like the hypocrites, if they continue to reiterate the lifestyle that shows his hypocrisy, not trusting in the reward in heaven, that they will be filled up with darkness Treasures will be laid up in heaven, and they will not have any, any, not only will they not have an internal investment, but they will despise God. Do not miss that. If you are a slave to your money, you begin to despise the very one who's freed you from the sin and from the bondage. When you see people that are hurting and broken as believers with a healthy heart of wholeness and generosity, our hearts should say we need to help them. Here at Downtown Church, the fact that we have our value as mercy and justice is the fact that we want to build a robust diaconate that shows how Downtown Church doesn't just want you to be a member. We want to provide for your spiritual needs, but we know that there are physical needs as well. Even in our, in our congregation, do not be ashamed of how much you don't have. Come to us so that as a church, as a family, we can help one another. Do not have pride. To think that you need to have everything together. If you're struggling. Allow us to help you. And if you have means. Please. Find every way possible. To support your brothers and sisters. Amen somebody. Because I'll leave you with this. The contrast. With that spin. Shave and share. And brainer, I stole it. And maybe people will continue to come to your class in the morning to learn more about it. But here, a couple things that I, I stole from her is that when you spend, you have to prioritize once over needs over once. You have to do it. Okay? You cannot. It's the grocery store mentality. You go to the grocery store. You spend X amount of money, but then you stop at McDonald's to eat dinner. How many of us do that? Don't raise your hand but it just shows what you prioritize in spending. And so then you spend, you say, I don't have enough money, but you spend it on cigarettes, you spend it on coffee, you spend it on Chick-fil-A, you spend on all of these different things that you say, I don't ha- what I-. you say, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, and then spending habits actually show that you do have, but what you desire. TV subscriptions. A lot of people, you're like, oh, I don't have cable. But I got Netflix, Hulu, YouTube TV, uh, Amazon Prime TV, you got all the TVs, and then that equals up to like 15 cable bills. Would just think about that for a moment in which some of us I know, you're like, well, I use somebody else's subscription, right. I'm not going to get into the ethics of that, because your pastor might, have been in that one, uh, amen. But also thinking about how you buy cars, buying new cars versus used cars, buying, bu- buying used versus new and thrift. How do you save and find those areas? And then when you save, yes, I remember in seminary, reading, Brit- I mean, not seminary, in college, reading Rich Dad and Poor Dad, and my professor would say always, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. But then I, as a Christian, I struggled with that because it was like, wait a minute, I need to offer my first fruits to God and then take care of me and my house so that rule I know a lot of us have heard that in finance but when you're a Christian you have to give an an act of worship to God through your offering it's an act of worship it's not just giving because the giver who has already given to you you're showing your gratitude you're showing your appreciation for what he's done and then share because I'm running but I'm running Share. In a shared kingdom perspective, when you go through the book of Acts, you see a community of believers sharing with one another and caring for the needs of each other. Throwing the money at the feet of the apostles so that they can take care of the church. And when we struggle and wrestle with that, one of the things is it's not, I'm not making a a decision for you whether it needs to be 10%, 15%, 5%, 2%. But but what it does need to be is Something that you're consistent with because you're consistent with everything else. Every subscription, every payment that you make on a card note, every mortgage that you make. It has to be consistent. If it's $2, let it be $2 a month that you give to the Lord. But do not deceive yourself thinking that you can hold your $2 and save it to the end of the month and pay him. Because a lot of times things happen to where... I need to use this two dollars for this. The other practical thing is, we have to make sure that we not only is it about our money. I just I wanted to emphasize time and talent, and that is me time versus we time. If my me time exe- exceeds my our we time, I don't know if I'm budgeting time, things right with my community. That means I need to. I need to help when, where help is needed. Ben, y'all can come down. That means I need to think about others more than I think about myself in the way that I share my time. If, if, that, if that is, oh, I'm serving in ministry, but hey, listen, I got an extracurricular activity. <laughs> Don't know if I'm going to cut, I'm gonna have to cut this out in serving y'all in order to do my extracurricular activities. If we're family, we can't do that to each other, right? We got to care for each other. And the reason we know this is because what's been given to us through this table. This is the best illustration. This is the best picture of, of the fountain filled with blood, which comes from Emmanuel's vein. Where we know that Jesus, what he did on the cross, was the biggest and the greatest gift that can be given to anybody on earth. And if we, if we think about that, we owe him everything. And so, yes, what do I want you to remember? Our singular devotion should be to God. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your wonderful mercies and grace. And that you, God, have been one that has been after our hearts. So that we do not have to save ourselves. But Lord, I pray that you continue to help us have a right view of what it means to worship you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said.